nearly every portrayal of an alien in Hollywood is evil. Yeah. Why? It's not... Yes, everybody, it is me, Matt Wright. I am back, and welcome to Thursday night, or as I like to call it, the beginning of your weekend. Um, welcome to the writer's block. Uh, I know there are a lot of things that everybody out there could be doing tonight, but thank you for spending your time here with me. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, allow me to thank the wonderful and fantastic people uh, actually, let me just thank uh, Benjamin Daniel Morris Chestnut III for the kava that I'm drinking today. Uh, he is a wonderful friend of mine who uh, gives me kava often. So to Ben and to all of you for taking the time to tune in today, I say Bula Banaka. So uh, we've got a huge show today. Fantastic guest. I'm really excited to get him on. Uh, sorry about the little bit of a delay. 
I got so if anybody remembers Tuesday show where nothing worked, I, I spent yesterday and I figured out all the problems and I had everything working again and everything was great. And then as soon as I was getting ready to go live, I realized none of it worked. Uh, so I had to do some quick running around to make sure everything is fixed. Um, so, uh, hopefully tonight, the rest of tonight goes off without a hitch and thank you all for being here, but allow me to thank the wonderful people who pay our bills, starting with the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing and largest, second largest, uh, caucus in the Libertarian Party. Um, if you want to become a member of the Waffle House Caucus, all you have to do is go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store and pick yourself up a Waffle House button. Um... All you have to do is go and pick yourself up a Waffle House button, and then you can... Wow, no wonder all of this sounds terrible. Somebody was playing with this that wasn't me, and I'm guessing they were a child. Um, we're going to put that up. We're going to do that there. We're going to do that there. Okay, so that sounds a little bit better to me. Um, <clears throat> again, had to throw this all together really quickly. If you want to become a voting member, uh, pick yourself up a shirt. This episode is brought to you by the Gravy King. Fierce Luxury by Ashley. Fierce Luxury is a high-end bag and accessory consignment store based online. They carry the hottest brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, and Hermes. Hermes, which is not spelled like Hermes. It's spelled like Hermes. Uh, you can consign with them for a 30% fee, which is 20% less than most consignment stores, or so I have been told. Um, but I don't think Ashley would lie to me, just like she wouldn't lie to you. Uh, you can find them online at FierceLuxuryByAshley.com. FierceLuxuryByAshley.com. Uh, or in their exclusive Facebook group, Fierce Luxury by Ashley. The Royal Green. Jack Casey has written some books. I have no idea what they're about. I understand that there's a ship in one of them called The Orphanage. Called The Orphanage. And uh, other than that, I have no idea. Uh, he has a third book coming out. Uh, called Crowned by Gold, which, as you can see by this graphic, is going to be out in summer of 2021, which means he is running out of time. And if he doesn't hurry, I'm never going to stop making fun of him. Uh, but if you want to purchase these books and let me know if they are any good, all you have to do is go to theroyalgreen.com. Theroyalgreen.com. Pick up Jack Casey's books uh, and uh, let me know how they are. Cumberland Cannabis Co., Viable, ethical, and effective cannabis out of Tennessee. Uh, listen, I lived in Tennessee for many years, and Tennessee has made it, Has they figured out whiskey, and they made some of the best whiskey ever to be produced in the world. Uh, so one can only imagine, one could only surmise that they also figured out how to make weed really, really well. Uh, so go to cumberlandcannabisco.com to pick up that fantastic, wonderful, viable, ethical, effective Tennessee weed. Adderpan. This is a, this, okay, so this is a video game that is meant to strictly and entirely scare the crap out of you. So you're going to play as a night security guard at a school and you're going to be fending off terrifying, terrifying demon-like toys, um, and you can join Dolly and her haunted imaginary friends as you play the role of the school security guard trying to survive night shift. Uh, 
Uh, can you make it until morning? Expansions are already in progress by the developer and will be available for free. Uh, will be available for free for Windows as they come out. So you can find Adderpan and upcoming expansions on Steam for the low, low price of five bucks. So skip Starbucks tomorrow. Get Adderpan. Thomas Queter, he is rolling his way into Albany and he needs your help. If you go to tomfor52.com and uh, donate money to Thomas Queter, he will be very, very happy. Um, like he says in his campaign stuff, uh, I run better than Albany, and that is true, as has been very apparent by everything going on in New York recently. Uh, he also has monthly meme contests and lots of merch. Uh, if you go to tomfor52.com slash FTG, you can find out more about both of those things. And Joe Soloski, he is running for Pennsylvania governor. Uh, Joe Soloski could become the first libertarian governor in history. So if you live in the Pennsylvania region of these United States, vote for Joe Soloski and make Pennsylvania mightier than the sword of oppressive government. Um, again, thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to everybody here. Thank you for showing up. Uh, I hope everybody can hear me. Well, on this week's episode, I don't think I'm getting any, like, drop frames. I think everything is working the way that it is supposed to be working. So, let's just get into it. Uh, tonight's guest is Don Johnson. And while this Don Johnson does not work for Vice, nor does he live in Miami, he is running for Somerville Town Council in Somerville, South Carolina. Please, everybody, welcome with me the one Okay, not the one, like there's others, but uh, the only Don Johnson running for town council in Somerville, South Carolina. What's going on, Don? How are you? Uh, great, to, great to be on the show this, tonight. No, I'm, I, I'm glad that we made this work. I'm glad that uh, we are here. Um, and uh, even with the little snafus there at the beginning, we are, uh, we're, we are rolling and we are going live. Great. Yeah. So... Uh, Got a lot of information to share with you, very, uh, and looking forward to the interview. No, absolutely, and I'm very excited to have you on. Um, I'm very excited to have you on, and uh, honestly, uh, again, thank you for spending the time. But like how I like to start out most of my interviews, um, depending on whether or not the person is in the liberty movement or not. But how is it that you found yourself? Um, associated with the band of misfits and ne'er-do-wells known as the Libertarian Party. Like, what was your, what was your road to this, to, to this bastion of liberty and freedom? Well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a pastor. Um, oh, I'm, I'm so a, sorry I'm about our intro song then. <laughs> no, no, you go right ahead. Um, I'm a veteran. I, I fought in the U.S. Army uh, in the 80s. I was during the Cold War. Um, I've been a lifelong conservative and there is this some parts, you know, no matter what party you belong to, there's pieces of the party you don't agree with. And True. it got to the point where the, the status that, that run basically the Republican, the democratic party, um, no matter who's in power, there's not really a lot of difference because they have an agenda and they, they want to get that agenda through. And I just started thinking, 
okay, what better way of demonstrating my liberty and my constitutional rights than becoming a part of the Libertarian Party? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, so my story isn't uh, all that dissimilar. Um, I started, I, I was, I was raised a good conservative Republican and uh, I was uh, on my, on my way to being, I was a pretty strict neocon when I was younger. Um, I was a pretty strict neocon when I was younger. Uh, I remember the Iraq war when it was the second one, when it was breaking out and how I was saying, no, we need to be over there and we need to be fighting the terrorists. And today I would not be thinking these things. Um, but these are, but that was the way I was going. And it, as I got older, I started realizing that there were things that I wanted for me, uh, that I thought that should extend to everybody. And, uh, much like for me, a lot of it, uh, came from, I got arrested when I was in my teens in my late teens, early twenties, uh, for possession of marijuana. I had a dime bag that I had forgotten that I had cause I didn't smoke weed at the time. And then I thought, this is really silly. Like, why am I getting arrested for this? It's if, it's a plant, like it's a plant. Why shouldn't I be able to use it? And that's kind of what got me started down this road of, uh, freedom and Liberty. Um, and then seatbelt laws really stuck with me for a while. Cause I was like, if it's my body, I should be able to not wear a seatbelt. And now I choose to wear the seatbelt. I don't do it because they tell me to. Um, but that was kind of how I got started on it was there were little laws that strictly affected me. And then I started seeing other laws that were affecting people as a whole like the the way that the tax laws worked and the way that um and the way that uh you know spending was being done and all that and i was like this is insane like they they are literally stealing from the people in order to make sure that uh that they can fund their passion projects that most of us don't want and or care about right i grew up in the 70s and 80s and i remember i'm from virginia uh, born in Aporia, Virginia, but I lived mainly in Yorktown, Virginia Beach. My dad was in the Navy. And I remember my first car didn't had a lap belt. He never right. wore your belt. Right. Had a 70 Mustang as my first car. And, you know, I remember in Virginia where you could, it was legal to drink and drive. You could have an open container in your car and drive down the road and drink a beer. Right. And slowly but surely, the the people in power eroded your rights to where you couldn't not have a seatbelt on. You couldn't have an open container in your car. There was severe penalties for people who disobeyed their laws. And whether you agree with them or not, you have to follow their laws. I don't see anywhere in the Constitution that says you can't ride a horse drinking a tanker of ale. And, and somehow this become part of our, our legal system. Right. And I, I, I may be a cynic. And I'm going to embarrass myself right now because I just blanked on this guy's name. But the British are coming. The British are coming. Uh, Paul Revere. Paul Revere. Thank you. Uh, Paul Revere. I'm willing to bet he was not all that sober that night. I think that would have taken a little bit of alcohol to do. What what sober person would have made that ride right. in the middle of the night? Exactly. No. That is what you know, I'm they, saying. I, I they, feel they as though... Probably, 
you know, they, they certainly didn't have YouTube to watch <laughs> and they didn't have Twitter to go on. And so he had to keep himself busy somehow. So he rode horses and made silver and what better way of entertaining himself on a Saturday night than screaming at the top of his lungs, waking up his neighbors up. Exactly. Like he had to do something and you know, it was for a good cause, but that's why many of us do go out in the middle of the night and scream. It's because, you know, it's for a good cause. Um, but yeah. And many times it's also because we've had too much to drink. Um, I'm seven years sober in like two, two weeks. So I don't have to deal with that anymore, but um, thank you. Um, so you uh, are in, you told me this before the show, but for anybody who doesn't know where Somerville is, uh, let's let's let them know about where Somerville is in South Carolina. Um, Somerville is a bedroom community out just outside of Charleston, South Carolina. We're probably 15 miles off the coast. Um, the town of Somerville is one of the few cities in the state that has three counties inside their city limits. Dorchester, Berkeley, and Charleston County. So that gives everybody, all your listeners, a context of where Somerville is. Right. Originally, Somerville was established in the 1800s as a bedroom community to get away from the, the heat and the humidity of Charleston, the everyday life of hustle and bustle in the big city of Charleston in the 1700s, 1800s. So they came inland and the planted this this vacation town just to get away from Charleston. And that makes sense. So where I, I'm from Virginia, um, not originally, but I grew up there and I grew up in a town called Manassas, Manassas, Virginia. Um, yeah, my mom lives in Fredericksburg. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love Fredericksburg. Great, great town. Um, and, you know, initially when I moved there, uh, Manassas was, I was very young. Uh, it was like the rural area. It was, it, it was for commuters and people who didn't, who wanted to live near DC, but not near DC. Uh, you know, you could go there on a, you know, on the weekend if you wanted to and go check out the, um, go check out the, uh, monuments and the museums and stuff, but you weren't close enough that you were going to feel the traffic. By the time I left, uh, you could feel the traffic. Uh, the traffic would, had extended all the way down past Fredericksburg. Yeah. Um, it's gotten further today. Oh, yeah. I'm certain. I am. It was, Fredericksburg is 60 miles from D.C., but it still takes you about two hours to get there. Right. I used to make a good joke. I used to make a joke, and I said, the reason that Manassas is so great is you are three hours from the beach. You are three hours from the mountain, and depending on what time you wake up, three hours from D.C. Um, Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, three hours from Pencil from Philadelphia, three hours from Baltimore. You're three hours Manassas. You were three hours from everywhere uh, by the time I left. Um, so just like here, you don't live on the coast. Charleston, I can get to Columbia, South Carolina, the capital of South Carolina, which is an hour and a half away, quicker than I can get to Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, which is right on the coast. Right. With traffic. And and yeah, like here in here in Florida. Uh, people, they complain about traffic and I think they're adorable. Um, I'm like, you're cute. That's, you yeah. think, you think this is traffic? Like if there's a wreck, yeah, I'll give it to you. But that was like every day where I came from. Like, this is nothing. Like, you can yeah. Make I mean, it's nothing like the perimeter around Atlanta. Or, oh yeah. Yeah. The, 
the high uh, just before you get to DC, it's a ridiculous. For uh, four ninety five up in DC and uh, four five twenty five twenty four up around Atlanta, I think, yeah. uh, or five seventy five. Five seventy four seventy five five seventy. You got to be careful what side of Atlanta you move to, depending on where you work. Because it makes a life it makes a, a life difference. Yeah, because you might take three hours to get to work if you're on the wrong side of the city. Right. Um, right. Yeah. No, Atlanta is one of the worst cities I've ever been to for driving. Um, but hey, uh, that's why I live here. Uh, <laughs> Fifteen minutes from the beach. It's great. Um, so. Uh, I know that one of the reasons that you are running for town council uh, is that you feel that Somerville has a transparency issue. Yes. And um, good. And one of these, one of the reasons that you that you have stated on your website is that um, it's it's giving tax breaks to individual companies, but not companies as a whole. Or right. Individual they, businesses. They, I don't want people to think corporations when I say companies. So just businesses. Right. They are trying to attract new businesses by giving them tax breaks. While the businesses that are here, the mom and pops that su- support this town, that's been in business for 50 years, 60 years, they are paying out norm- uh, such high taxes um, in the town, but yet they give tax breaks to new businesses the taxes should be equal for everybody, no matter what you what you're coming to town for. You know, the government shouldn't be in the in the business of picking and losing winners. Right. And the town has set businesses they would like to attract, which is normal in any town. They have that, but you should go. You shouldn't be giving away the dimes or just to satisfy the needs of the town council. Right. You know, and you see that in this, you see actually literally everywhere um, from from your from your uh, city governments to your state governments to the federal. Uh, they they pick and choose winners. Um, that's when you get Obama's, uh, uh, you know, they're too big to fail. Um, let me be clear. They're too big to fail. Uh, but you, you have the too big to fail. Then you have like the Amazon. They're coming in and they're going to get the tax breaks, but their employees are going to pay the taxes, which then they're going to get back to Amazon. Um, or uh, you'll see and then you'll see that in both states and in cities. Uh, and this goes for companies uh, like Pfizer. Uh, Pfizer had that issue in Newtown, Connecticut, where they they said that they were going to take over a factory and they would. um they were going to take over a factory. They were going to get some massive tax breaks for coming in there. And uh, they ended up using uh, eminent domain to take over a good portion of the city, kicked a lot of people out, and then they never finished the project. So people just ended up being displaced uh, because Pfizer wanted it, and then they just never um, finished the project. give you a prime example, the next county over, Berkeley County. Okay. Which part, Somerville, there's a Berkeley County in Somerville. Um, they give... They have no business taxes, no, no business license fees. And the, the Berkeley County is booming economically. They are attracting so many people in by doing away with the business license fees, doing away with some of the, the, the normal everyday issues that go along with businesses and startups. Dorchester County and Somerville goes out of their way to find people and that's basically what it is. If you want to start a business in Somerville, you're being fined 
that's what make no mistake. That's what a business license is. Right. It's a fine for you to come in and do business in the town. And that's not a smart way to start off a business. No. So it's, it's hindering minority owned businesses, little mom and pops that want to get started, but they can't, they can't even get out of the gate. And you would think that in a town like Somerville, um, literally a town anywhere, uh, my personal opinion, uh, a town like Somerville or, you know, anywhere else. One of the biggest issues that I see, and this is not something that you will have to deal with, but uh, the student debt crisis, the student loans, we're willing to give kids, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school to get a worthless degree but we won't give them $20,000 to start up a business where cities like Somerville or, you know, even here in St. Pete or, you know, some of the smaller cities, you know, more inland in Florida, if they would give business loans to these kids uh, who are hungry to work, who don't want to go to school, they're like, Hey, I want to open, you know, this coffee shop or I want to open this um, uh, computer store or, you know, whatever. Um, but you're taking that away from them because they're like, Oh no, that's too big of a risk. If you would take that risk on on young entrepreneurs more often, uh, you would end up getting a more uh, bountiful economy in your area because you will start seeing a lot of businesses moving there. You're exactly right. Um, you know, that, and, and not only that, but there's there is ordinances in town where they can't put up. You've seen these feather flags, for example. To advertise their businesses. Um, you know, there certain businesses, churches, whatnot, are allowed to fly them. Right. But I've got a local barbecue place here that can't. They've been fined by the city because they have a feather flag advertising their their business on their property. It's not out in the road. It's not in by the ditch. It's actually on their property, and this guy's being threatened with fines and court fees if he puts out of any kind of advertising for his business. You know, they're, they're just um, going out of their way to alienate people, and I don't understand why. So I know that uh, where anywhere that I've lived here in Florida, it hasn't been that big of an issue. But where I was living in Tennessee and in um, Virginia, uh, it was uh, – the city planner had to approve any sign you were going to put out in front of your, in front of your business. Like you had to get approval for the sign that was going to be out in front of your business. That was going to be for, um, you know, to advertise for yourself and it had to fit the feel of the town and it couldn't be anything that was too flashy or light up or anything like that. Um, is summer, does Somerville have some restrictions like that on smaller businesses? They have, they have ordinances, the town council approves and turns down ordinances. That's their job to make laws. And they regulate what you can and can't do in your own personal business. There, there is no going to a city administrator and applying for this and applying for that. Because all they're going to do is turn around and say, there's an ordinance against it. Um. I, like I, I, I smile, I smile and I chuckle only because it's not surprising. Um, now, uh, so what else would you want to do in order to attract high, uh, to, to attract more jobs and higher paying jobs to the area uh, outside of the business licenses? Well, people don't want to hand out. They want to hand up. Yes. They want an equal playing field. 
And, and that's my plan is to give them an equal playing field for their businesses so they can come in and they have a fighting chance at starting a business. You know, I would like to go through the ordinance codes for businesses and, and see what doesn't work. Um, the town council still thinks we're in 1870. And if, if it doesn't apply to the historical downtown Somerville and that look they have, they have ordinances where you can't color your house a certain color. It has to remain historically intact. Um, there are certain ordinances on the town council or the, in the city that are outdated. They're, they don't make any sense. And I would like to do a comprehensive review of ordinances that hinder our businesses. Fair. Um, now, I know, so as somebody who has tried to start businesses uh, in the past, and, you know, some of them in Virginia, some of them in Tennessee, some of them here. So I've had, like, different experiences, um, different experiences attempting this in different areas. Um, but apparently Siri thought that I said something. Um, but, um, I've tried, so I've tried to start businesses in different areas. And what I found is that, um, depending on where you are is going to like, obviously that's going to depend on the restrictions that you're going to have to go through. Um, but there has never been anywhere that I've lived where you could just easily go and get a place and open up a business, put a sign out and stock the shelves and be like, okay, I'm ready for business. Uh, how much of the regulation and restriction in doing so do you think you'll be able to hinder or get rid of in Somerville? Well, I, I think we, I think we can really get rid of a lot of it. You know, what the problem with the town council is there's a majority of the people on the town council who all vote together, no matter what the mayor and, um, Three, three of the town council, they vote together no matter what. The other three, I feel like they can well, listen to reason. If they know that they have a voice on the town council, they are more apt to listen to reason, listen to reasonable arguments. And I think we can get, I think we can get rid of some of the town ordinances that hinder businesses. And I would imagine that the people on the town council, especially if they were to be able to look at, um, was that Buckley County that's right next door? Berkeley. Berkeley. Okay, Berkeley. Um, looking at Berkeley County and seeing that the, you know, the economic boom that they're going through by not having these restrictions, you should be able to say, hey, look, we can do this if we sort of follow this model. Um, more people can come here. More businesses will open. Uh, that will mean higher paying jobs, which means more people will move here, which means, you know, more, uh, more, more uh, attractions coming here, more businesses, more. And it just uh, success begets success. But, but their only focus that I can see is real estate development, multi-family homes. Mm -hmm. um, there is apartment complexes going up that that they're not required to fix the infrastructure as part of their coming to Somerville. They just put up an apartment complex, add a thousand homes, 2000 more cars to a two lane road to start with. Right. That's gridlocked. And we've got four of these divisions going up right now in Somerville. 
and some of the roads can handle it, some can't. And right now you sit in traffic for 30 minutes, which doesn't seem like a long time for most people. But in Somerville, it takes you 30 minutes to get anywhere. Right. Where back in 1990, when I first moved here, there was almost no traffic. And I, yeah, and I understand. So when I moved to Nashville, people talked about traffic and I thought that was adorable. The last few times that I've gone to visit Nashville, I, they understand what traffic is now. Um, but it seems like whoever is allowing these uh, multi, multi-unit multi homes to be built, these con- condominiums and apartment buildings to be built in uh, Somerville, they must have been doing the city planning in Nashville because Nashville just went way up and they did absolutely nothing to the infrastructure uh, to try to fix it. So with Somerville having, like you said, uh, like they haven't done anything to plan on fixing the infrastructure. And I know somebody ran there as the, uh, I don't want to misquote you. It was either the, the, the infrastructure councilman or the, uh, some, the, the fix the road guy, fix the road guy, um, yeah. fix the road guy. Um, so but you only hear, you only hear that six months before the election that they want to fix the roads. Right. And then the other three and a half years, you don't hear a word out of them. Right. Because you have to make that promise again, you know, half yeah. years later. Uh, well, by then you hope they forgot about it. Exactly. So what are the plans that you have to, to kind of help uh, ease the weight that's on the infrastructure going on in Somerville? Well, part of the problem is when they plan something, they, they don't plan out. They, they plan for the next five years. They're not planning out the next 25 years. Um, you know, working with the state, the county and the state and the federal government for roads, you, there's a lot of resources out there that are available to a small town. Um, most of the towns aren't owned by the town or the roads aren't owned by the town. They're state roads or county roads. And these roads can, there's money out there that can be fixed. Uh, I can't tell you how many penny taxes we've had in Somerville and they, there's nothing fixed. Yeah. We, um, we get those here all the time. Every time they, it, it, it's marketed the same way. It's always penny for Pinellas. Cause I'm in Pinellas County. They're like penny for Pinellas. And that's going to help with uh, public transportation or with the infrastructure. And I'm like, you guys voted this in. I've never voted for it, but uh, you guys voted this in not too long ago. And I'm noticing you're trying to do it again. What happened to the money that you got from the last one? Right. You know, the the town of Somerville thinks a way to increase revenue is to incorporate non-incorporated parts of the county. So they've got a they've got a economic development manager who makes six figures, and his only job is to go out to businesses in the non-incorporated part and convince them that they should become incorporated to receive services that they already received to begin with. You know, we have a mutual aid agreement with the county and the city, but fire sheriff's office, the city fire department, the county fire department, right? Uh, the town police, the city, uh, the county sheriffs, they already have a mutual aid agreement in place. So if they can't, the county can't respond, the city is going to respond. But yet they think that going out and incorporating parts of the town that are unincorporated to get them into the tax base. That's how they're looking to raise funds and build the town up. And it, and it's only good for, you know, these this supposed support. It's only good for two years. 
and, and and it makes no sense whatsoever. You know, you know, we, we just recently fired our town administrator, Rebecca Vance. Right. Which I'm still not sure why it happened. You know, she was up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, becoming the first president, female president of the town administrators and municipal association president. And while she was up there, they had a special called meeting in Somerville to terminate her contract. You know, these so, are the things that our town is doing. So for, for what apparently was no real reason, they just got rid of her because... They didn't think no, that she was one of the highest sought after administrators in the town, or in, in, the, uh, in our town, but in the state. I mean, by evident of her peers voting her as president. They cited, the only citing they gave is that they could no longer work together. So, <laughs> scratch your head. Yeah. I scratch my head. Yes. Everybody okay. in town scratching their heads. And this is one of the few people that would tell the town council what they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. Well, okay. Well, and, that, that, that's what did it. She, but, she, that's her, but that's the town administrator's job is to run the operations, the daily operations of the town and give sound advice to the council because they right. can make the best decision. And, and I've yeah, been in business for 40 years. That is their job. That is 100% their job. Like that is their job just to say, you're not there. You're not a yes man or yes woman. Right. You're not a yes person. Um, you are a you are somebody who is there to give the best advice possible and the most sound advice possible, and the council can then either take your advice or not. But to to let somebody go because they're difficult to work with because they aren't a yes person. Um, well, I'm sure there's more underlying facts than that. Probably, but, but we're not we're not privileged to the um, the real reasons that she would let go. Uh, Kendra Biller, Kendra Biller, uh, she says, hey, and she then says, stop paying taxes. <laughs> um, uh, and Josh Umbas, <laughs> Josh Umbas says, it's uh, almost like government wastes our money. Um, how ironic to elect a libertarian to fix the roads. Because, uh, you know. Yeah, but, but the thing is, with, with our administrator, they had to pay her $140,000 to get her out of her contract they, because it was in her contract. The only turnaround to hire another administrator and pay them $160,000 this year, a year to do it. Wow. So, in and order to get, crazy. so basically it cost them $300,000 to get out of this contract. Yes. Now, the person they hired, I'm sure, is, will do a good job. Uh, she used to work for the town. She got hired on a phone call. They didn't even have an interview process to hire the next administrator. There was no announcements. There was no minister. Uh, there was no interview process. There was no, let's see if we can find the best person. One phone call and she was hired. Wow. Yeah. And for, so that, that just kind of displays government for you. Because I know that in the private sector, uh, if you are hiring somebody for a hundred and sixty thousand dollar job, um, or you know whatever, even less, 
Uh, I know that for my job that I have, uh, which I do not get paid $160,000, I was interviewed four separate times. Right. And then I was given like tasks to do to make sure I could do the job. And I had to prove myself like even before I got hired. And then once I did, they were like, okay, well, no, now we will hire you. So in order, so government is just saying 160 grand, let's just give it to Jim. Somebody called Jim. I think he's looking for work and called Jim and Jim now has a job. That's basically exactly what happened. <laughs> but please tell me that the new administrator's name is Jim because I will be really happy. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lady. Oh, okay. I would have been really happy if it was Jim. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and like I said, I'm sure she is qualified. I'm sure she is going to do a good, good job. She used to work for the town, so they have a relationship with her. But you don't know what's out there. I've been in restaurant the restaurant industry for, you know, 35, 40 years. Yep. And my current, yeah, my current job with Chick-fil-A, it took me a month to get hired as the, as the manager for just Chick-fil-A. A month. A month. A month. Yeah. Yeah. But you would think that the number one person, employee of the town, that runs the day-to-day operations, there would be something more. Where's the accountability from our town council? Right. That's what I'm talking about, transparency. You know, getting right back to transparency they think that they can do and say what they want and nobody is paying attention. But I'm here to tell them that people are paying attention and we are about to vote them out of office. So uh, switching gears a little bit um, because I I want to get to this. Uh, I know that recently South Carolina passed open carry. Right. Um, But from from what I understand, according to this article that I read, um, so Somerville is not as keen on the idea of open carry as the rest of South Carolina seems to be. Um, what is it that they are doing with open carry? How are they ruining open carry? They are in the process of saying that open carry will not be allowed on any town property, even though it's a state law, even though they have the Second Amendment right to carry an open, open weapon. Now, in South Carolina, one of the caveats is you have to first have a concealed carry permit to ca- open carry. So it, it's not like it's a wild west where they can just all come in and furnish guns on their hips. You have to have background checks. Uh, you, you have to have a, you have to go through a lot of hoops. But the town council is in the process of saying that no one is allowed to have an open carry within the city limits on town property, which includes the parks, the roads, um, the sidewalks, sidewalks. nowhere. Um, And while cooler heads prevailed on the council, my opponent in district one of Somerville, who's a lifelong Democrat, he got up there and without even knowing anything about the open carry, he was ready to vote it down. He was ready to say, no, I vote, I vote that you can't have an open carry policy on town, on town property in Somerville. He wanted to do away with open carry 
without even hearing about it. Luckily, the chief of police, Doug Wright, he's, he's, a, he's a wonderful man, a career police officer in uniform, and two of the town council members was, was placed on a committee to study this ordinance. And their rationale is a fear that they're going to have 100 phone calls a day saying that there's some crazy guy with a gun on his hip and you need to send the police out to get him. That, that's their whole rationale of the open carry is they're afraid that people are going to complain because a guy's in a park having a gun on the side. And when I grew up in Virginia, we had, we had rifles and shotguns in the back in of the our back window. Of, yeah, in the, back, in the back of the car. Yeah, and, and nobody said anything. We weren't out killing everybody. Right. Now, their times are a little bit different than it was back in the 70s and 80s. Like, um, so, no silk shirts, no polyester suits. Are you telling no, me that no, the shirt you are wearing right now is not a silk shirt? Hey, I, this, is, this is GQ, okay? All right. <laughs> you, no, though, this is, this no. is a cloth shirt, but... I, I, so I'm not, I'm, I'm literally not making fun of that shirt because it looks very similar to the one I wore to work today. And like, I was thinking earlier, I was like, I should have kept that shirt on because yeah. we would have matched. Um, I, I don't look like your younger brother. Right. Uh, yeah. My better looking young, <laughs> my better looking younger brother. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Even when I grew up in Virginia, um, which was a little bit later than the seventies and the eighties, um, people still drove around with guns. Like I, I, I remember specifically with people carrying sidearms and just yeah. walking around town with them. And that you was can, not you could go issue. to school and have a rifle in your, in your back of your car, uh, you know, in the window of your pickup truck. It, it was common practice and crime was at an all time low because everyone carried a weapon. Right. You restrict the, the, the rights to carry arms that emboldens the criminals to carry more arms. They're not going to listen to the laws. They don't care about the laws. If they were, they wouldn't be criminals. Exactly. And all that yeah. these and all that these laws do is create criminals because you're your 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 gun owner, the person who, you know, who's out there and he's got, you know, a couple of even if he's only got one or two handguns, he's not going right. to give them up because why would he give them up? Uh, because he knows he may need them to protect himself at some point. Or she, he or she, uh, will need them to protect themselves at some point, and they're not going to just give them up because the government now told them to, um, or you know, I can't carry it, so well, I guess, oh well, I'm not going to have it. No, I'm still going to have it. I'm just going to be hiding it from you. Um, right. And Josh Umba, he made a really good point in the uh, comments that I want to scroll back to, um, and he said too many people worry about Biden or Trump and don't see local issues in their own neighborhood. And I have said for a while that whoever gets elected president, whoever gets elected to the Senate or to the House in your area, it really doesn't matter all that much to you. The difference yeah. in what that is going to do to you as an individual is pretty minimal. Where you can make a difference is paying attention to the local things that are going on. When you see the penny for uh, Sm Somerville, when you see the penny for Somerville, I almost said Pinellas and I was like, well, that's, that's me. Uh, when you see the penny for Somerville taxes, like that's going to affect your, everybody that lives there, but especially the lower class, the lower class and the middle class. Um, because those are the I, I want to make it clear that all politics are local. 
you know, this is where you change the fabric of our society by getting elected to the local offices, your school board, your um, your town council, your county governments, because these are the people who are making laws that affect your day-to-day life. You know, the only thing that the federal government does is makes the national debt go up and makes your taxes go up. True. No matter what side of the fence you're on, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, independent, they all do the same thing. And, but it's the local government that affects the laws. You know, my opponent, for example, got up in a town council meeting and says, we pass laws, we pass town ordinances that take away the rights of our citizens. And I've got, we've got them on tape saying it, that he passes ordinances just to take away your rights. Now, tell me that's not an oversight. That's Big Brother at his finest. Now, I don't know how much you're spending on your campaign, and I'm not going to ask because I don't feel that if I wanted to look it up, I could. But, you know, we don't need to discuss that here. But if you have enough money for TV ads, that is the only thing I would play. (laughs) I would just play that on like every ad. This is what he said. I pass ordinances to take away your rights. Right. That's and, it. And the mask mandates are another issue. You know, he, he, they had a protest when they were first doing the mass ordinances in our town. And he literally got up and turned red in the face, screaming at the people that said they don't know what they're doing. That town council will make the decisions that will affect their life. And they are so far out of touch, uh, especially my opponent. And he, he has been in office for 12 years, trying to get his fourth term. He's been on school board for a couple years before that. And he is out of touch with his people. You know, he, he doesn't talk to his constituents except six months out of the election. You know, and, and he, he is bent and determined on telling the citizens of this town how they should live, how they should work, how they should do everything in their life. He wants to control your life. And I am not going to put up with it. So let me let me ask. Um, I don't know how South Carolina is overall. I know that um, Henry McMaster, uh, he shut things down for a little while at the beginning um, yeah. of the COVID thing of the COVID experience, the COVID experiment. Um, but I know that South Carolina is basically, they've opened pretty much back up. I'm not really sure on mask policies or anything like that right now, but I'm assuming just based on what you've told me here in this interview right now, uh, that your opponent, uh, would, he's for the mask mandates and he's for possibly vaccine, uh, passports and things like that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They just on the, just on the little, you've, you know, it's, it's all it's all for show, though. Right. You know, he doesn't believe what he's saying. He, he just wants to say it. You know, there was somebody I went to a town council meeting uh, last month and he was up on he was up on there and somebody walked up, had a box of masks, walked up and gave him a mask and he put it on after he got behind the counter on the on the bench. Now, he's the only one up there with the mask on and he had it. So he walked. I can't, he, he, he I can't walked, pick this stuff up. 
Somebody <laughs> walked up, an employee of the town, handed him a mask, and he wears it under his chin like a beard. Oh, he, he does doesn't it. have it all the way up. So he does the chin diaper. He, he does the chin diaper. He's got the chin diaper, yeah. But yet he sits there and tells people that they should wear masks. Hypocritical at best. And and you see like criminal at worst. And you see that a lot. Um, that's <laughs> I like the way you put that. <laughs> Hypocritical at best, criminal at worst. Um, and you see that a lot. And it doesn't matter at what level of government. Uh, you right. see, we need to wear masks. We need to wear masks. But you know it's all for show. You've got AOC in that video where she's around a bunch of people. And then they were doing a photo shoot. And she put a mask on. And the guy that was in front of her, whose name I don't remember, but he was another Democratic congressman. He did the exact same thing. And as soon as the photo was done, they both took him off and they're just sitting there hanging out. Uh, yeah. Obama at his, at his uh, birthday party. Um, you, Gretchen Whitmer, no matter what she does. Uh, you, you see it no matter, you see it in all levels of government. Hypocritical at best, criminal at worst. Um, I'm going to steal that and use that so yeah, often. Go right ahead. Cool. Um <laughs> Glad you agree. Glad glad you're okay with me taking that from you. Yeah, um, that should be your new tagline for the right. show. <laughs> Hypocritical <laughs> at best. Yeah. Uh, criminal at worst. Um, so what's the rest of the town council like on, on, on the mask mandates and the in the, the, the jab mandates and things like that? They they fall in line. Um, it's basically for all intents and purposes, it's a six-man council and a mayor. Uh, we have a strong council form of government. And the mayor and three of the town council members pretty much vote in unison no matter what's going on. Um, it's like whatever the mayor wants, they, they follow behind. Um, you know, they're going to vote the way the mayor wants to vote. And this is the first time the mayor has been in office uh, as a mayor. But he's he's been a Ricky uh, Ricky Waring has been the fire chief. He's been, you know, he's been he's been in local politics his entire life, at one one level or another. Um, great guy. I think he's out of touch. You know, he had a you know he's he's backing my opponent, so I'm a little skewed. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. Sure. Uh, had a fundraiser at his house for the guy. You, you take your you take your allies where you can get them. Yeah, but he's he's backing them because he votes the way he wants them to vote. And and I get that because uh, in any level of government, you're going to back the people that are going to back what you want to do. Right. Um, even even if you don't like the guy, or even if you don't really agree with him on a lot of things, if they're going to back you, you're going to back them, um, which is on. Um, I get like I get it like that's how so many things work. Um, so once you win, because according to I don't know how to pronounce this person's name and I don't want to mess it up, but I'm going to try Saa in the comments uh, who says you're an American hero, but says that you are uh, you're a shoe in. So does um, somebody else said you were a shoe in up here, um, and I don't remember who it was, and that was a while ago. Uh, oh, CJ Westfall uh, said you were a shoe in. He said you're going to take the W this year. Um, we we've got a, a very strong ground game. Good. Um, you know, I ran for the state house a couple of years ago. 
and I spent $500 on my campaign for the state house. And against my, I would, I was, at the time I was running as a Republican and against my opponent who won the primary, she spent almost $16,000 and I took 40% of the vote spending 500 to your, to your 500. And, and I, I didn't have the first yard sign road sign. I didn't have the first piece of advertising because I couldn't afford it. The 500 basically paid for my, a few palm cards, you know, advertisings, you know, you know, like this one right here. Right. Um, in the website. And that was it. And I took 40% of the vote. That is, that's gotta be one hell of, sorry, one heck of one. Sorry, pastor. Um, one heck of a ground game because you have to be going and knocking on every door to do this. Yes. And, and that's what we did. We, we knocked on every door. Now I'm taking that same campaign, the ground game, and I've got a lot more money this time. You know, uh, we talked about a huge announcement. Um, and I would like to officially thank um, Michael. Yeah. Michael Heiss. Yeah, Michael Heiss. Uh, my mind, my mind just completely went. Blank. No, I, I, I get it. I, I forgot Paul Revere's name earlier. And... Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Heiss and the the. Uh, the Mises Caucus came out today and officially endorsed me um, as a, with their endorsement. That, and, and I think that's huge. Yeah, that's uh, from, that, that from is a natural a, level. Uh, them endorsing a local town person is huge. Um, I've got Democrats supporting me. I've got Republicans supporting me because you know it's not. It's a person's moral absolutes that win elections. At least it should be. You know, we've had people in in state and uh, federal positions in South Carolina um, and spent hundreds of millions of dollars running for a race and lost because their message didn't resonate with the people. That that Um, actually happened here in uh, Pinellas County. Um, Alex, Alex Sink was running for yeah. House of Representatives. Um, and I think she spent $25 million on that campaign for a special election. And uh, yeah, we had that in her senator race. Lost. Against Lindsey Graham. His opponent spent $100 million and lost. You know, I just, I can't fathom that. Um, you know, but our ground game, we have a strong ground game. We have, um, we have people donating to our campaign. Um, if, you would like to donate to our campaign. It's Don Johnson for Somerville. Um, it's our website and our Facebook is that, page is, that, is the same thing. Is that uh, F-O-R or the number? Yes, F-O-R. Okay. Uh, all one word, donjohnsonforsomerville.com um, is our website. And it takes the support of every person out there to, to, uh, to win an election. It, it does. And, and I have no doubt that I'm going to win this election. And, you know, from what I've, from what I've seen in the comments, the people who uh, came here to support you and uh, to see you on the show, uh, you have a good amount of support behind you. And I, uh, and that's absolutely incredible. Um, and uh, truly, it's, um, it, it is really good to see that you have that support behind you. Um, 
And especially if you've got a ground game, that's the most important thing anybody can have. Like in 2020, I get that everything was a little bit different because you couldn't really have ground games in a lot of places. But for the most part, having the ground game is what wins you election. Whoever knocks on the most doors by the end of the campaign will typically win. Um, and that goes for any level of uh, political office. Um, a small district in inside Somerville, only 750 people voted in the last election in 2017. My opponent won it with 500 votes. Out of 750? Out of 750. That's a good turnaround for him. Yeah, but it, it wasn't a, um, you know, he won with conservative, for a Democrat, he won with conservative votes. He won with a lot of different things because his opponent, they didn't like his opponent. So it was more of a vote against the, other, against the loser than it was for the, for the person. Right. I think we had a presidential campaign like that recently. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, and the other two times he ran, he ran unopposed. So he's never had a legitimate challenger. Yeah, he hasn't hasn't had somebody that he actually had to face off with. Now, uh, are you guys going to do like public debates or anything like that? Or is it going to be? Hey, I'll I'll debate him anywhere, anytime. And we're going to make that offer. Uh, I don't think he's going to debate me. I go to the town council member uh, town meetings and he won't even look me in the eye. Fair. Fair. I mean, he won't even look, I sit right in front of him and he won't look me in the eye. Well, you Uh, you would think with what, 67 days left until the election. Um, right. 67. That's what I'm going to about that. November 2nd. Yeah. 67. Sounds good. Um, we're going to go with it. Uh, with 67 days left until the election. Um, he would at least want if he's afraid I get why he doesn't want to square off against you but if he's not afraid you would think he would want to be out there and saying okay let's do this let you know let's present the ideas to the public let them make up their minds um, but if he's not willing to do it it's obvious that he's uh, not on your uh, on what, what's, what's he gonna do stand up there and say I want to take your rights I away take your rights away listen I, I want to vote against I want to vote for wearing masks. I want to put children in mass. And, you know, the thing that I want to get across, I love the people of Somerville. I love ever. I love them all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm probably one of the ugly ones. But <laughs> What's um, that say about me if you're my better-looking younger brother? <laughs> but the people of Somerville are very proud, and they just want a chance to be heard. Give them the chance to be heard. Um, the thing is, what I want people to, uh, listening to the show understand is the people of Somerville are smart. They are intelligent, and they can make their own decisions over their life. Hey, I have some underlying health conditions that if I want to wear a mask, I should be able to wear a mask. If I don't yes. want to wear a mask, you, I shouldn't have to wear a mask. Yes. You know, leave it up to the individuals. The government doesn't have any business in mandating what I do with my body. Agreed. This, that's that. That's the, the nuts and bolts of it because they want to run your life. You know, if you want to send your child to school in a mask, 
because you are, you are looking after the best interest of your child, do it. But we shouldn't have a school board that demands you wear a mask. No, and that's one of the issues uh, that we're seeing here in Florida a lot. Because um, school school boards are saying, okay, we're going to mandate masks, and DeSantis is saying, no, you're not. Uh, don't do that. And then Biden is taking the side of the school board, and it's becoming this huge federal mess, which it shouldn't be becoming because it's a state issue. It is not a federal issue. Um, oh. But the way I see it is that if you, the parent of the child, wants your kid to wear a mask, you should say, hey, wear a mask. Inform the teacher, the teacher, the, the, the coaches, the whoever, that you want your child wearing a mask, and then they can afford, enforce it on the child because of the parent's wishes. It should not be an all-across-the-board thing because if you have children and you're saying, no, you don't need to wear a mask because you have a 0.2% chance of... Uh, of getting of, of, of experiencing negative effects from this disease. Um, so I'm not going to worry about you wearing a mask and, you know, suffering from potential uh, depression and uh, mental problems because you didn't learn how to communicate at a young age. Um, so I'm not going to have you do that. Uh, then you shouldn't have to wear a mask. Just say, Nope, they don't have to wear a mask and it should 100% be up to the parents and that will should not be put onto any other parents and their children. Just like vaccinations. You know, Agreed. I've, I've been vaccinated through the VA. My wife has been vaccinated. But that's, again, a personal choice whether or not you get vaccinated or not. Agreed. And it, that, is 100%, that is a personal choice. Um, you know your medical condition, and you're smart enough to make the choice. Right. And I would make that argument for the entire American population. We are smart enough to know what is best for our own bodies. Yes. Period. The the so the way that I, the, the way that I've always put it is that uh, people are dumb. People are dumb, but individuals are very smart. Uh, right. Individuals know what's best for them. It's when they get into large groups of people that uh, they make dumb decisions. Hence, the last, we can roughly say, 100-and-something years of leadership in this country. Um, call it flocks of sheeple. Right. Um, and if, if you, as the individual, says, you know what, I'm, I'm in my you know, 20s, 30s, early 40s. I don't really get sick that often. I'm in decent shape. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time outside. I eat healthy. I don't think I need to get this vaccine. You should not need to get the vaccine. Uh, and if you're like, you know, my child has a 0.2% chance of, uh, getting any real negative effects from this disease. I don't want them to wear a mask. They shouldn't have to wear the mask. Uh, I a, I'm, I'm out in, I'm out in the public talking to a lot of people, but I had a good friend of mine that, um, he made a very valid point. He can't even get a six-year-old to keep his shirt on. How is he going to keep it? How is he going to? How is the, how is the, the six-year-old going to keep his mask on? Um. Brent, Brent DeRitter, who uh, do you know, Brent? No. Okay, uh, he's from he's North Carolina, just north of y'all. Um, they they're the they're the Carolina with the less Waffle Houses, if you didn't know. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> 
Uh, he said uh, he's got a company called Cell Liberty, and uh, they do a lot of fantastic work on uh, the messaging of liberty uh, and how to properly message. Um, and he wanted to know if you were doing follow-up calls to the door knocking, like if you were calling the people that you had been visiting. And if not, and you wanted an extra volunteer, he knows a guy, which I'm almost certain is him, but I don't want to put that word, those words <laughs> in his mouth. Um, well, we'll take all the volunteers we can get. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, no, Brent, Brent's a fantastic guy, a fantastic messenger. Uh, Cell Liberty does a lot of really good work. And he... I think I've seen, them. I think I've seen their ads on Facebook. Probably. Yeah, no, uh, wonderful, wonderful man, friend of the show, friend of uh, mine, and uh, friend of everybody at Muddied Waters, really. Yeah, um, if, if you go to my website, donjohnsonforsummerville.com, um, there's a place in there that you can put your contact information if you want to help with the campaign. Um, there's a place in there where if, if you would like to donate, you know, if everybody donated $25, we wouldn't have to worry about a thing. Right. You know, if, if everybody just went there tonight and donated $25 a pop, from all your listeners, we wouldn't have to ask for money ever again. Well, Don, thank you so much. I, we went a little bit long. We started late, though, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it's okay. Um, as long as I didn't, like, go into your schedule at all. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for spending Thursday night with me. Thank you for spending uh, the beginning of Friday uh, with me. Um, Give everybody your last pitch here. Tell everybody uh, why they should support you, why they should donate to you, why they should vote for you, depending on where they are in the country. Um, and uh, you know, Well, no matter where you're at in the country, you can donate to me. Right. Because money, money travels electronically. Right. So you go to donjohnsonforsummerville.com and donate no matter where you're at. Um, why you should vote for me for Somerville Town Council District 1 is... I'm in touch with my constituents. I'm in touch with the, the people in my community. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm a veteran. And we have a strong veteran presence in Charleston. Um, I love this town. And all I want is a town council that is open and transparent. The, the last 15 town council meetings, 13 of them were specially called. Out of the blue, with very little notice, like the firing of Rebecca Vance. They gave, a, uh, I think, a 12-hour notice that they were going to do this, and it wasn't public. Or, or Rebecca would have been there. She was the only person in town, apparently, that didn't know about it. Um, you know, I'm sorry to say that, I, but... I know, and, I, and I'm sorry to laugh, but it's... It, it, I don't expect much less from government, like government at, at any level yeah. at this point in my life. You know, I have made my life service of others, whether it's uh, in the military, whether it's in restaurants serving people. My wife has worked for the school district in the cafeteria system for 18 years, serving our children, seeing multiple generations come through. Um, you know, my wife was born and raised here in Somerville. Um, my son went to public schools here in Somerville. I'm very familiar with our town and what the needs are and talking to people and meeting with uh, people every single day. I get out and talk to a lot of people and we know what people want in this district, in this town. Um, I didn't just come up with a platform because it was a platform to come up with. Anybody can do that. 
I went to my people and said, what is important to you? And I talked to hundreds and hundreds of people and put out surveys and found out what the key issues of them were. And I built my platform around these three key issues, uh, limiting the government, you know, so they're not empowered to take your rights away like my opponent wants to do. Uh, transparency, having an equal playing field for all people, regardless of their background, their race, their color, their creed, being able to come to Somerville and open a business up if they want to, coming to Somerville and, and having a good, safe, we have one of the best police departments in the country. We have a, one of the best fire departments in the country here in Somerville. And they need to be supported. Period. Absolutely. And infrastructure. Yeah, you know, having having our roads, we wouldn't be a bad place to live. We're not a bad place to live. But our town council has been on determining of putting more houses than we have roads. Not enforcing people to the developers to develop infrastructure. You know, we have a uniform uh, a UDO, Uniform Development Ordinance. Right. And they are going through the last probably six council meetings and gutting it, something they developed. You know, Christine Zarnick was a council member uh, a couple of years ago. She got voted out of office. She lost the election and moved back to New Jersey, where her family's from. She was instrumental in developing this uniform development code. They have this UDO, they have completely line itemed 50% out of it already. We're eliminating the restrictions placed on developers to, so they can come in and just build whatever they want to build. It, it's a shame. And that's why I'm running for town council. And and let me uh, let me be probably not the first, but uh, one of the first to say congratulations on your endorsement from the Mises Caucus. That that is a huge accomplishment. Um, and your audience is the first one to hear this this announcement. Well, yeah, first people to hear it, and no, that that is amazing. Uh, good job. Uh, I'm certain that you will make Michael and the rest of the people at the Mises Caucus very proud. And uh, I know that they are all rooting for you as. MI and everybody here at Muddy Waters. Um, and uh, I know that you just picked up a fantastic volunteer because um, CJ said so. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I absolutely believe that this is your race to, your race to win and uh, I look forward to hearing from you uh, over the course of the next two months and a week. Uh, to Anytime you want me to come on, I'm, I'm welcome. Any uh, or I'm available to come on. I was going to say yes. You are and welcome anytime. I, I certainly would like to come on November third, third, and tell you, or the the fourth. first Tuesday or Thursday after the election. Sure, that'll be Thursday the fourth. Right, the fourth. And uh, let your let your viewers know that we were victorious. Absolutely, in winning. Absolutely, I, I would love to have you on uh, so we could talk about the uh, the w the winning election and uh, we can talk about how you did it and we can. Uh, give people some pointers on what they can do to emulate exactly what you did. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I do appreciate it. I've got to close the show out. If you want to hang out, cool. And uh, I can talk to you afterwards. And if you have to go, I understand. Um, but uh, I will talk to you very soon either way. Again, thank okay, you so I'll, much. I'll hang out and chat after the show. Okay, cool. Sounds good. And uh, I will be back in just a few minutes then.
Okay. To everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, it has been a fantastic night, and thank you to each and every one of you that chooses to hang out with me on Thursdays. Um, because, again, there's a lot of things you can do on Thursday nights. And you chose me. You like me. You really like me. Um, that's an old cut. That's uh, Sally. That's Sally Field when she won her second Oscar. Um, thank you so much to Don Johnson for tuning in. Uh, it was a huge pleasure to have him here. Uh, now, tomorrow, I have heard mixed on this. I, there might be an episode of Cajun and Eskimo from Bayou's to Igloo starting at 9.30 Eastern. Um, I am not 100% sure because he told me last week that there wouldn't be so but I've heard now that there is so tune in tomorrow at 9 30 eastern to find out if there's going to be an episode of Cajun and Eskimo from Bayous to Igloos uh, and then we're going to be taking the weekend off and on Monday you can tune in right here eight o'clock for Mr. America the Bearded Truth who's also in South Carolina um, and he will be tuning uh, I don't know what he's talking about this week but uh, no matter what it is it's going to be a great deep dive into a single issue and he is going to uh, blow your minds with whatever he has to say um, on Tuesday Spike Cohen the libertarian 2020 libertarian vice presidential nominee and myself will be parsing through the week's events like the sweet little summer 2020 wonder boys that we are um, and on Wednesday, Spike Cohen returns for My Fellow Americans, 8 o'clock next week. And then Thursday, you can choose to tune in and watch me, 8 o'clock, right here on Muddied Waters for a brand new episode of The Writer's Block. Before I let you go, uh, reminder that on Tuesday, Spike and I are going to be auctioning off one of the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus tumblers autographed by Spike and myself. Um, and you can bid on it. You can bid on it and uh, have yourself your very own Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus Tumblr. I've also got some good news coming about some other tumblers that might be uh, happening hopefully pretty soon, and uh, you will be able to get those. You won't have to bid on them, though. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all the real news that I've got for you. Fun fact of the week, uh, when, octopus is, when an octopus gets bored, when octopi... Octopus. Octop when octopuses. Because um, it's not octopi. When octopuses get bored, they eat their arms. Yeah. Weird, right? Uh, so, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, reminder uh, that uh, tune in for five nights a week. Muddy Wires Media, five nights a week. Eight o'clock every night except for Friday where it's 9.30. And until next week, have yourself a fantastic weekend. I am Matt Wright, and you are perfect just the way you are. I will see you soon. I am. I am. I am swinging from a seven-story window. Throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's astounding the legs I'll go. To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am Sunset, spin on the savory waters of my liver turns